It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Remember, Smoky Mountain Organics, that's East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. You can find them in four locations uh, in East Tennessee, three of those in Sevier County, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville. And obviously, they've got the location on Kingston Pike. Special shout out to all of our friends in Sevier County who have been through uh, – uh, a tough uh, ordeal with all the wildfires and uh, all the tech people up there, all the firefighters, everything that they've been through. Thankfully, things seem to be getting under control, but I know a lot of people have lost a lot of personal belongings and our thoughts and prayers with them. But be sure and check out our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. You can check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. The Tennessee football team is two weeks in to uh, spring practice. They've got two weeks left uh, practicing this morning. And then the volunteers will go through the week. They've got the uh, all vol weekend scheduled this week, guys. Projected highs around 49. Chance of snow showers. Uh, good old East Tennessee way for Tennessee this Saturday. We'll see if the weather forecast holds or if it changes. But uh, Tennessee on the practice field, getting back after it on the basketball front. We'll talk a little bit about uh, where things are in recruiting and transfer portal and all of that. Um, we'll talk a little recruiting on the football front and uh, hit on a little baseball, maybe even a little master's talk as we get out the door here on the Tuesday edition of the podcast. Let's start first and foremost with the Tennessee baseball team quickly. Ben McKee's got all the coverage uh, that, that you can imagine on the baseball front. If you haven't checked out uh, his new feature on Mondays, um, the, the, the great sit down he had with uh, Drew Beam, who pitched a complete game uh, on Sunday for Tennessee. Great feature. We look forward to doing that the next couple of months, kind of let you get to know more about this Tennessee baseball team. Baseball players are, are interesting characters. But, um, guys, it's amazing to me what Tony Vitello has put together uh, in, in a rebuild project here. I don't want to say they're the best pitching staff ever or anything like that, but you're not going to find a better pitching staff than what they've got going on. I mean, to do what they've done the last two weekends – is crazy impressive, and it's crazy impressive what they're doing on the mound. Tennessee fans are trying to figure out, like, what it's almost like, what do I do with my hands? You know, we're through, we're like, wait a minute, when's, when's something bad going to happen? Uh, because, you know, it was bad early on with a couple pitchers hurt, but they haven't missed a beat. How impressed are you with what Tony Vitello has done, not just this year, but what he's done in putting this thing together? How are you not impressed, right, Rob? I mean, they just continue to roll on. Um, you're right. I mean, it, I said this on the nation, like, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, you get excited because you know that these three that you've got right now are here all the way through next season, you know, uh, because Dolander's a sophomore and then, you know, the other two are true freshmen. But, I mean, I I think you also want to appreciate what's happening right now because you never know what can happen. Um, Just enjoy the ride. And, and, you know, uh, Tennessee fans have, you know, been looking for something to gravitate to. They've gravitated some to basketball with football being down over the last decade. Now baseball's rising up, and, you know, I expect Danny White and them to continue to hit on this. I mean, they're the acting administration right now, but this is the first time since 2001 that Tennessee's football, basketball, and baseball team will all make a bowl game and or play at the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, I don't, and I'm not going to pretend to know the nuts and bolts of it like Ben does. I mean, I follow the baseball team. I have a good time following it, but it's not – you know, I, I don't, I don't want – putting on an expert hat here here at all but to me the biggest difference in this year and last year and it's and this is hardly you know i'm not reinventing the wheel but the the, the pitching 
just seems, you know, night and day from where they were a year ago. I mean, that's, you know, what were the numbers this weekend for Vanderbilt? I mean, they, they just brutalized them. And, you know, Tennessee could, could hit the baseball last year. They, you know, they're better at that this year. But to me, the, you know, not just the starting pitching, but the bullpen. And you still not even got Tidwell in the mix yet, which is, you know, mind-boggling to think about. Might be your best guy. He's not even throwing. Well, and the best part about it is, is when you get to the SEC tournament and then you get the NCAA tournament and, the, and potentially the College World Series, you need that fourth starter. So all of a sudden, you're going to have four great starters. You're right. I mean, it's, it's the speed that Burns and Dolander give you. Uh, some speed and a lot of off-speed stuff with Drew Beam. And then out of the bullpen, they've got just guys that throw these nasty cutters and sliders, and 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 they got the left-handed arms out of the bullpen because all their starters are right-handers. They've given up 11 runs through the, the last two weekends on the road at Ole Miss and on the road at Vanderbilt. They've given up 11 total runs. Beam, in his three SEC starts, has only given up one, that being a base hit that turned into a three-run homer off the, uh, the bat of uh, – or off the arm of uh, – you know, the reliever, um, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's been impressive with what, you know, they've been able to do, um, you know, outside of that, that pitch that Sewell threw at Ole Miss, they give up the three-run homer. I mean, the pitching staff's been unbelievable. I mean, lights out. Well, what's crazy to me, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw a couple things at, at, at you guys, and, uh, and Ben had this in the 3-2-1. I think it's a great stat. Uh, the three starters this past weekend, 68% of their pitches were strikes. Burns threw 58 strikes on 88 pitches. Dolander threw 74 strikes on 105, Beam threw 73 on 110. Those are stupid numbers. But when you talk about, you know, guys not walking and, and you're not giving anybody extra swings or extra at-bats because you're not putting anybody on base. The other thing and the most impressive thing to me, and I, I said this to Ben, I think, in the Sunday um, uh, uh, around the horn that, that we did, uh, Rob, when you look at those six games, and this is where Tennessee fans are a little bit of, I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Only one of those games were contested when you think about it. I mean, the, the, the Sunday game against Ole Miss, they gave up the home run, which made things dicey in the ninth. The other five of those games in these last two series, Tennessee's been in control from from any one, and, and the, the end of the games had no drama to it. There's no John Wilkerson, you know, sensationalized call at the end because there, there's no drama. I mean, there's a, they're, they're up 5 nothing, or they're in cruise control at the end. That, that's the most impressive thing to me is how dominant they've been for nine innings in each of these games. Yeah, I mean, except for that Sunday game. I don't, really have, I don't really have anything to add to that because <laughs> I mean, they have been. I mean, you look at the standings in the East, and, you know, it's almost a walk away. And I know, you know, the, you know, some teams are down. But still, I mean, this is college baseball. I mean, you lose a game here, you lose a game there. You know, your pitching blows up one day. But they're they're running away with, with their side of the division, and you know even last year at the end when it was you know when they were generating so much excitement, I mean it was dramatic. I mean you're you know you're talking about walk off hits, you know in the bottom of the ninth to, to win close games, and it wasn't like this where it's just been thorough domination. Yeah, it's been complete. It's been unbelievably impressive. That's for sure. We got plenty of baseball coverage. We'll continue to cover this team. Got a midweek game coming up on to, coming up tonight. Actually, uh, weather permitting, they'll get that in against Lipscomb, and then this weekend, uh, Tennessee host Alabama coming to town this weekend. So, um, pl plenty of things to talk about with baseball. We'll continue to follow that uh, as we go along here throughout the season. Ben, we'll have all the coverage for you there. Let's jump into spring practice uh, right quick on the football front of things. Tennessee having their first major scrimmage uh, of the spring this past Saturday. Uh, Josh Heupel um, is best channeling his best inner Philip Fulmer with a lot of, I got to see the film talk post scrimmage 
uh, which is not a surprise, Austin. What do you make of where Tennessee is as they head into, I guess, what's now what week three of spring for the Volunteers, a, halfway, a little past the halfway point? About where I thought they'd be. I mean, you know, you, you look at – you know, it's just kind of prototypical spring. I think you feel good about the fact you're, you're solid at quarterback. I think they've been happy with some of the plays that some of the new fresh wide receivers have made. The, you, 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 threw, you heard Hypel uh, throw some praise to – to Jalen Hyatt, um, and and then Golish did the same thing with a, maybe even a Jimmy Callaway and a Holiday. Um, just the growth, you know, over the course of the offseason. And then, uh, you know, from all the pe- people we've talked to, and again, it, it's it's spring, and again, how the offense plays when the quarterback can't be touched are two different things. But the defense is, is you know, made enough plays, uh, you know, in some 11-on-11 work, especially with the depleted secondary, which is – you know, at least a good sign that they're they're continuing to grasp, you know, things on the defensive side. You know, Rob, it's interesting. I mean, the quarterback not being touched is a, is an interesting dynamic because we were all, you know, Joe Milton last preseason had a couple long runs that everybody was kind of gushing about and talking about. Then he got into games and he didn't run the ball very well. Hendon Hooker didn't get a real chance to show what he could do. Uh, because they, you know, blew some plays dead or or, or whatever the case may be. It, it is hard to decipher, and this is where Tennessee's got the luxury because they've got a quarterback. It is hard to get a feel for whether or not the defense would have made a play or, or the offense would have made a play when you can't get within six, eight feet of your quarterback. It, it changes kind of how you almost judge things or analyze things in a lot of ways. Well, and especially in this offense, I don't mean Hypel's offense as a whole, but I mean this version of the offense where – the, where Hooker's legs are such a huge part of the equation. I mean, how many plays did he make last year with his legs that were that were for real game changers? I mean, a lot. I mean, he might have been Tennessee's best guy, you know, with the ball in his hands running. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it really it, it it's hard to it's it's hard to judge what you've got both you know defensively and on you know what kind of tackling team you are, what kind of real pressure are you getting on the quarterback, and then. Second part of that, what can your quarterback do when things break down when he's really not worried about getting his helmet knocked in the turn? Yeah, I just think it's, 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 it's a little bit hard there. That's why, to me, Austin, this spring, from an evaluation standpoint, it, it's about individuals. It's, it's back to the old, what, what's, I can't remember what coaching staff used this line, but it's who's above the line and who's below the line. You know, it's who do you feel like you come out of spring practice with that can help you, you know, more so than it is evaluating an entire position group or, or an entire, you know, defense or offense, one side of the ball. It's much more about finding some individuals, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, you know, I, I, as a collective unit, I think you can kind of see maybe what depth you have. But, like, you know, I don't know sure you're learning a whole lot, whether it be the secondary or even the receivers. Um, I think you maybe can learn some stuff offensive line, defensive line, because – you know, they, they have enough bodies there. But, you know, again, I think you're right. I think you, you know, you're looking to see what guys step up. You know, I think it's a great sign. And it doesn't mean he's going to be, you know, unbelievable this year. It doesn't mean, you know, he's going to make a huge impact. But when the staff is talking about the buy-in of Jalen Hyatt, whether it be off the field, whether it be on the field, in the weight room, with him putting on 20 pounds, uh, in the last couple of months, because when he showed back up, I mean, he was still in the 160s, and all of a sudden now he's in the 180s. Um, that's a good sign, you know, because I think for he knows as far as Tennessee goes, Brent, it, it's now or never for him because there's these young guys that are coming in. They've got talent. 
you know, he's got a huge leg up on all of them. It's time to go or get passed by. And I think that's that case for a lot of these players. You asked me the other day, you know, all right, we were talking, I said, who's this year's Theo Jackson? I think it's going to be Trayvon Flowers. I may end up being wrong, but I just, you know, he's an older guy. Um, I just don't see it being Jalen McCullough, and I love Jalen McCullough. I think if if anybody's going to take that kind of step, especially in the secondary, it makes more sense for it to be Flowers than it would McCullough. And Hubbard, am I remembering this wrong? Is this not his first healthy offseason? Flowers? Yeah, since he's been here. Was he limited yeah, last spring? He's been yeah, limited yeah. almost. He might not have been last year, but he's been limited most years. Yeah, I, okay. you know what? I think I think he was – maybe he was non-contact last, last spring um, for, with, with a shoulder deal. Um, he's certainly not been healthy very often for an entire year if he has been at all, which, which could certainly be a factor. You know, for for me, he's got to show he can make plays. He's got to show he can play the ball in the air better than what he has. But uh, I'd be curious to see what they think of him at the star position coming out of this spring. I'm going to be curious to see what they think of Christian Charles. Where does he play? Could he play corner? Is he smart enough to play corner, even though maybe he's not, you know, a prototypical guy? Can he be savvy enough to play out there at corner? He's getting obviously tons of opportunities there. So, um, if he can, I, I, his length is a great advantage, yeah, right, Hubs? Right, it is. I just he's a guy who's never played corner. He's a quarterback safety in high school. You don't you don't see that move very often, but he's getting every chance and every opportunity. So we'll we'll see where that one is at. Back, back to Hyatt, Rob. There's nothing greater from a from a motivation standpoint than than new blood in the locker room. And and, and if you're Jalen Hyatt and you look up and there's Chaz Nimrod and there's Caleb Webb, there's Squirrel White. I don't. I don't think it's just Jalen Hyde. I think. I don't think it's just a coincidence that you're hearing more positive vibes about where Jimmy Holiday is from a buy-in standpoint. What what Callaway's done. What Hyatt's done. There's no greater motivator that, than somebody, you know, moving into the locker room with some new gear at your position. And and I and I think that's been one of the shortcomings of Tennessee's program over the past past five, six, seven years. It's great. Is point. it? You, because I mean, you because I think you have guys that got promoted that rolled into the starting lineup just because they were juniors. You know, it was it was not necessarily because they were great SEC players, but they were the best Tennessee had. You've had you know coaching staffs that have come in, and you know how many hastily assembled, half done recruiting classes as Tennessee had in the last six years. Way too much. Multiples. <laughs> I mean, they've they've not strung they've not stacked recruiting classes on top of one another for four and five years, you know, where you can build a program. And I mean, I think it's, you know, obviously, you know, cover the basketball team, but I think you see it in basketball every year. I mean, those guys, you know, Rick Barnes is trying to recruit over his guys every year. I mean, not in in an antagonistic, you know, confrontational way. He's just trying to bring in the best players he can every year. And I think you, I don't want to name names. And I think you've had guys in football who have moved up to become starters just because, of, of being veterans, not necessarily because they were super talented veterans. And, and I think, I think you make a great point, Hubber, when you, when, you know, when you're a junior and you're thinking, all right, now it's my time. And all of a sudden you see a bunch of hungry, talented young kids come in. It can, you could go one of two ways. I mean, you can either, you know, pack it in and pout, or you could decide that, that you're going to take your spot. All right. To, to add to that, you have, you have the Jeremy Pruitt class that when he got let go that had, you know, you know, Cody Brown and a bunch of those guys that are gone. Trinity Bell's gone. Cody Brown never made it. Asked out of his thing. So did 
you know, uh, offensive linemen that end up Missouri from King's Academy. So did um, Kamen Marley. I mean, you can go right on the list, several of those guys. But let's go back to when Jeremy Pruitt first got here, and he had that kind of throw-together class. Cedric Tillman ends up being a good find. Trayvon Flowers is still on this team. Emmett Gooden, gone. John Mincy, gone. Karak Garland still here. J.J. Peterson, gone. Jameer Johnson, gone. Jeremy Banks is still here. Carvin's still here. J.T. Shroud, gone. Dominic Anderson, gone. Jordan Allen, gone. Kingston Harris is still here playing offense instead of defensive line. And we'll make this quick. Paxton Brooks, he's been an unbelievable find. He's great. Um, Tanner Antonuti never made it to the field. Emerson's gone. Jacob Warren's still here. Brent Lawless never made it to the field. I mean, you can go right on the list. Ollie Lane uh, still here. Bryce Thompson gone. Kenneth George gone. Brandon Davis, we all know what his story. I mean, like, and that's what Rob's talking about. When you have multiple of those, you talk about just setting yourself back. That's huge. I mean, so basically they had one in 2018 and then in 2021, the 2021 class. Well, and then then throw on top of that because of where they were roster-wise, a lot of guys just got thrown into the lineup as a freshman and never had to earn anything. There was never a competition for them. Either it was a junior with a, you know, because there was nobody behind him to push, or it was a Bryce Thompson. Hey, you're the man from day one. You know, uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that's, that's and, and, Bri- and Bryce and Bryce is an interesting story. He, he didn't get added till May. Yeah, but but that's the problem, and that's why this is an unusual spring because there is some competition at some places that they haven't seen that, you know, you haven't seen that before. And I think wide receiver is a good part of that because the other thing too is I think the way this system's taught, you can get a freshman on the field. He can really push for some playing time at the receiver spot. So you got a little depth there and you got an opportunity to, 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 you know, to create some, some competition and, and drive some veterans. And um, I think that's paying off a little bit for me. I think the bigger question remains, are they going to find any kind of answer at right at left tackle? You know, and, and we'll see. I think these next two weeks are big for Gerald Mincy. Austin, he did not scrimmage on Saturday. That was, you know, they probably might have been able to push him through, but he wasn't 100%. These are two big weeks for him to, A, battle through the pain, manage the, the, the ankle, but get some scrimmage reps in there as well to see if they can find an answer at the left tackle position. Interesting. You know, the staff, especially Golish, is very he, – he, he praises J.J. Crawford a lot. Um but when you talk to players, they're quick to kind of throw some praise towards Gerald Mincy. So um, be interesting to kind of see how that battle plays out. Um, you know, obviously Crawford, just from understanding the speed, even though he was, you know, hit like a tornado last year when he got here in late July, you know, he understands the way they practice slash play. That's something Mincy's or, you know, Mincy's still trying to figure out. And Mincy, you know, as you just pointed out, has been bitten by that ankle a little bit. So um, just kind of see how they play this. You know, they're not going to name any kind of starter, but do they feel comfortable enough to make that move full-time for Darnell to the right side? You know, um, and if if they do, then that tells me that they feel decent about whoever they have on the left side. And it doesn't feel like there's any real, real likely options from a transfer portal standpoint as well. And if you got a transfer in here, he would be in the summer, late arrival. Rob hasn't gone through the spring. He's going to be playing a lot of catch-up if you bring in a transfer tackle. He would have to be a really good player, I think, to bring in a transfer tackle at this point. Yeah, I mean, AP's got a better handle on it than I do, but it just feels like whatever the answer is, it's on it's on the roster right now. They just have to figure out what pieces, you know, fit the best. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, at some point, you know, what's more important? Is it more important to bring in another body for the secondary or another body at tackle? If you can get a, a surefire guy, 
100%. That's where you go down. But I think Tennessee needs more players on the defensive side of the ball than they do the offensive side of the ball. That's just my take. I think they need another pass rusher. I think they need uh, more help in the secondary. To me, those are more important than, you know, trying to find an average tackle. Again, if you can find somebody that's got a lot of good playing time as a good player, sure. But, you know, just taking – just anybody to me just seems a bit of a stretch. Do you, don't you think it's? I mean, if if you are talking about a guy that gets here in the summer, I mean, not this is not a blanket statement, but generally, don't you think it's easier to play in the secondary, especially if you're a corner, where you can just you know you can at least dumb some things down and so you know line up and play this guy as opposed to an offensive lineman where you've got to be really a part of a cohesive unit. Yes, and in a perfect world, in a perfect world you could find someone who's played tackle in a similar system to what you have as far as speed. I think that's hard to go from playing offensive tackle and kind of a walk-up deal to the thrill a minute that this offense can be. And 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 Brent pointed out that the guy's not going to be here until summertime. That's just a quick turnaround and understanding the pace. Here's another question from a transfer portal standpoint. I mean, look, corner we've all talked about. Another outside receiver we've talked about, and, and Tennessee is hoping that that's Brew McCoy. Um, offensive tackle we've mentioned, another edge rusher on defense we've talked about, linebacker. Do they need to look, if someone's available, do they need to hunt a little bit for an interior defensive lineman? And here's my rationale. Latrell Bumpus has been injured most of his career. He's out right now with a, with a knee injury. He's going to be back, but, but he's had a hard time staying healthy, Rob. Elijah Simmons got a world of potential, but nobody's ready to anoint him anything. Do, do, is there a greater need at de- on the interior defensive line that, than maybe has been talked about when you talk about all the things Tennessee needs in the transfer portal? Yeah, I mean, I could totally see that. I mean, who's your most experienced guy there? Omari? Yeah. And then, I mean, DeJon Terry's played some. I mean, Kirat Garland's played some. But, I mean, he's a, he's a stopgap guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I can totally get on board with that. I mean, I don't know if you can find one, but I mean, it's back to the case. And it goes back to what we were talking about with these recruiting classes earlier, where they're still trying to build depth, Rob, because or Austin, they can use a defensive guy at every level again this year. And they took two at every level last year in the transfer portal. They did. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, again, they were behind the eight ball by a lot last year when, you know, they had all those guys leave. And, then they had members of the recruiting class defect out before or even during the season. And so, you know, you're still, you're still playing catch up to a regard. Um, you just, you've got to find, you got to figure out this spring. That's why spring. So to me, you, you talk about what you want to get done in spring, figure out exactly what you really have to have. Like, do you really have to have another offensive tackle or do you really need an interior defensive lineman? Do you really need, a, you know, somebody in the secondary or do you need a, another running back or whatever? So, I mean, like, Figure out what you need this spring and then try to go get it, you know, the best of you can in May. All right, Austin, let's talk quickly about some recruiting. I know there was tons of recruiting questions in the chat on Monday night. Uh, everybody wanting predictions, who's next. We're not going to go down that road here. Just talk about this weekend and how, how big this weekend is for Tennessee. And not in terms of getting commitments, but just in terms of the landscape for what they're trying to – foundation they're trying to – maybe build with his class or give themselves an opportunity with this class? Well, I mean, you know, obviously the receivers are the first people you talk about. But, I mean, I, I think ultimately, you know, you guys like, you know, Tony Rojas, it, it, you know, making a huge impression on him. Huge. You know, I mean, Tennessee loves him. If he wants to play running back, he can play running back. If he wants to play linebacker, he can play, he can play whatever he wants to play. 
Same thing with, you know, um, Cameron Sendell, the, the wide receiver slash running back that was here last weekend. You know, I mean, he's just a football player and can help your program. So, you know, how, how do things go with, with that? I mean, you know, Sylvester Smith's coming in town, try to, you know, finish that one out and, uh, you know, just kind of go down that road. But, I mean, that, again, just go with the receivers. I mean, you know, Kyler Casper to me is the most realistic of those two. Yeah, and and he will be in town for an official visit this weekend. Obviously, Nico's going to be in town this weekend to 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 wine and dine and and to help try to 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 work that front as well. Nathan Robinson scheduled to be back, which um, is a positive sign for Tennessee. Certainly, he's been around a bunch. Uh, Tennessee's done a pretty nice job, Austin, of getting guys in uh, through to to this point. Really, go back to the first of March. Been pretty solid in terms of the number of guys they've had on campus who are legitimate targets. They've had a bunch of guys come through who they may never end up recruiting, who are younger guys who are on a team tour or whatever, but they've had some real targets in. It's pretty pretty solid job by this staff to get a bunch of guys to come up here and take a look at them, don't you think? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, they've got way more juice than they ever had a year ago. They've got way more juice than they had three months ago. I mean, you know, I think when, when – the clock turned to January 1st, you know, they had some juice coming out of that run of James Pierce, Josh Josephs, Justin Williams, Thomas, um, you know, right down the list with all those guys. But they really, you know, to me, got the the real juice there, and, and, you know, when Nico committed um, in, in the middle of March because, I mean, it just when you get that quarterback, it just means so much. Um, it's like I was telling Alante Taylor the other day. I said, well, if you had your – if you had it, you know – if you could, if you could be GM for yourself, where would you want to go? And he named a few teams. And I said, "Cool." I said, "If I were you, I'd want to go to wherever established a quarterback. Like when you're when you're established a quarterback, you're established as a program or a franchise." NFL speaking. So you know, I, I think that the fact Tennessee got Taven Jackson in the last class, Nico coming in this next class, like you know, they they're more established a quarterback right now than they've been coming off of these Hendon Hooker two years in a long time, which to me makes them very established as a um, program, which is something who would have thought 370 days ago. Yep. I mean, you know, well, not even that. I mean, there was a stretch where they were just struggling so much in state. Everybody was questioning everything about this staff in in terms of recruiting, taking a while to build. We'll see how they finish out, but they've certainly put themselves in a better position with players for sure. Uh, Rob, on the hoops front of things in terms of, uh, the transfer portal, any visit dates for anybody set up? Uh, any, any idea when you might see any of those visits or, or do you think that that's going to be pretty low key? Um, how, how's that going to go for, for Rick Barnes and his staff as they continue to work the transfer portal in addition to working high school kids as well? Yeah, LSU's Brandon Murray is the one guy, or former LSU player Brandon Murray is the one guy that I know. I mean, Tennessee is all in on, all the way. I mean, everybody, you know, every time a name shows up at the portal, there's immediately five questions on the general's quarters. You know, is Tennessee recruiting this kid? Is Tennessee recruiting this kid? Tennessee's called a tons of kid, ton of kids. Brandon Murray, in my opinion, is the only guy to pick up the phone right now and say, Coach, I want to come. And they'd be like, Bang, here's your spot. Every everybody else, I think, is taking a backseat to him. Next to that, Julian Phillips, the five-star McDonald's All-American uh, kid. He's originally from South Carolina, played in prep school in Missouri this year. Tennessee is all in on him. They have been to visit face-to-face with both Phillips and Brandon Murray in, in the past couple of weeks. And, what about uh, the Princeton kid? Yeah, I mean, again, one of those guys that Tennessee's been in touch with, but you're not going to – I mean, they're, they're not going that far down the road with, with anybody until they, until they know what Murray and Phillips are doing. 
in my opinion. If that means they miss out on somebody, you know, I don't think that there's anybody out there that they're so in love with that 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 bothers them. Um, so it's it's all about Phillips and Murray. I don't anything else you see tweeted or or put out there. Those those are the two guys at the top of the list. I would say that pretty emphatically. And um, I, I don't you know I don't see Tennessee going really hard in, in another direction until they know what one or both of those kids is doing. And, you know, Tennessee will probably know before the public knows. I mean, so they, they may move on behind the scenes. Uh, I, the, for Phillips, the quicker things go, the better it is for Tennessee. If he holds up, up and lets a lot of people back in this thing, then, then I think, you know, Tennessee has a chance to fall back. Right now, if he had to decide today, I think it would be Tennessee or Florida State. Those are two programs he's visited. He's also visited, visited USC. Some people I've talked to think, think that it would be hard – for him to, to pull the trigger and move to Los Angeles. His parents live in Columbia. Um, but Gonzaga's trying to get in there. Auburn's trying to get in there. And the G and, League's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it always kind of is, but I, I don't really know. I, I mean, I wouldn't rule that out at all. But but I, I think it, I think this kid's probably going to play college basketball. But again, when, you know, when somebody could throw a half a million bucks at you, you never say that, that that's not a possibility. But Again, if he if he decides something in the next week or so, then I think it's Tennessee or Florida State. If he ends up taking visits to Auburn to, to Gonzaga, then it's you know it's going to be a circus. We'll see what happens with that for sure. Um, as it'll get wild, woolly on the basketball front, as uh, Tennessee combs the transfer landscape and continues to recruit out there. Uh, in, in the high school ranks moving forward as well. As we get out the door here, I want to pass this along. To, uh, this was a radio deal. It made me think of Austin Price. On-site master shop sell $850,000 worth of merchandise an hour and do over $50 million in product sales Monday through Sunday. Austin, how much how much contributing to, to, the, to the master's $850,000 a day have you been doing the last few years in your life? You're not doing it this year, I know. But um, I mean, that's got like that's an awesome price numbers in there. You're you're you you get a percentage point in that in terms of your contribution at the Masters gift shop. Speaking of the Masters, Tiger going to play Austin. He's going to play Hover. He does not want to. Uh, he, in case he has a setback between now and Thursday, I don't think he wanted to lock himself in. So, um, but I, he's playing unless he has some type of hiccup between now and and his tee time on Thursday and. Uh, even though Mark Packer told me he was going to shoot 84, I bet Mark Packer launch he will make the cut. He's made the cut 22 out of 23 years, or 20, 22 out of 23 trips to uh, the Masters. So I will take him to make the cut again. Hubbard, is there is there? Can you confirm or deny that there's going to be a moment of silence Wednesday's practice round for for AP not not being in attendance? <laughs> What's the last time AP? You didn't go last year, right? Just back to back years. Well, yeah, I missed 2020. That was the fall. I had no fans. And then last year was limited fans. Uh, and that was – so I, that was um, – see, Max is not happy about this. He's yeah. downstairs raising I mean, I mean, once you play um, the – once you play the course, is the need to go back what it once was, AP? Yeah, now, now the real – the real – the, the real t- trick for me is trying to, to trying to you know work things behind the scenes to get to go play it again. Yeah, so that's more important know. than more important than watching. I There's a member you- on our site who can help me do that. <laughs> <coughs> get it done. I will say this: nobody's praying for Tiger Woods to make the cut more than CBS because golf does not have a very good face right now. That pulls a lot of uh, the only the only reason people are watching this weekend is because of the golf course. 
not because of the golfers if Tiger Woods is not in the field on the weekend. So everybody at CBS is praying that Tiger Woods gets to play and, and finds a way to make the cut. So we'll see. Golf needs golf needs a superstar of some kind, and uh, that's why all the CBS press are certainly uh, hopeful that Tiger plays and hopeful that, that he can be around for the weekend. So we'll see what happens with that. More importantly, Tennessee's going to be around for the weekend on the baseball front. Tennessee's going to be around this weekend with a big scrimmage and a big recruiting weekend and football as well. And we'll have all of that covered for you uh, throughout the weekend and obviously plenty of coverage of everything throughout the week. So keep it locked in at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.